Today, we continue week three in a series entitled The Process. I want to go ahead and give you the, the synopsis of the series. We are a note-taking church, so I encourage you to go ahead and take out your phone or a notebook, journal, whatever you have, and just take some things down. Uh, we want you to, to be equipped throughout the week. Maybe you can go back to these notes and they can build your faith and help you out throughout the week. Uh, remind yourself of what God spoke on Sunday. So the synopsis of the process is that the process is a series of ups and downs, a series of ups and downs to becoming the best you, the best you. This is God's method of fulfilled vision in your life. So uh, God can lay something on your heart. He can give you a dream. He can show you something. But his goal is not, par se, to, to give you that dream as much as it is is for you to become the person that can manage and steward that dream, that relationship, that business, that ministry, whatever the Lord shows you. His heart is for you to become the right person. Uh, the Bible calls it sanctification. That's a big word, sanctification there. And that means to look more like Jesus. Paul says that this is God's plan for your life, is to look more like his son, the greatest man who ever lived. So we've been taking a journey with Joseph uh, through the book of Genesis. And I'd encourage you to re read about his life from Genesis 37 all the way through Genesis 50. And um, yeah, so I have a, an amazing friend, someone I consider more than a friend. Uh, he's my pastor, actually, Pastor Ken Hester. He was here the week after Easter. He came and he preached at our church. He's been pastoring in North Carolina for almost 10 years. He was on staff at Elevation Church under the tutelage and the leadership of Pastor Stephen Furtick. And um, we met him in, in, in 2015, the summer that we were preparing to start Highlight Church. And it was me, Pastor Kyra, and Chris, our creative director. And we, Judah was like three months old, my baby boy. And he was leading at this conference. And we had a breakout session. Then we had lunch. And he just, out of all the pastors and teams at this conference, he chose to sit down with this church planting team of three people and a newborn baby. And he just, he took a liking to us. And um, ever since that day, it's been, hey, how can, I, how can I help you guys? Or how can I inform your process? Hey, Pastor Josh, if you're ever tired, I'll catch a plane tomorrow and I'll come up and preach. Um, he's always given, you know, be it his time or his encouragement or even finances, you know, just we wake up and there's a, some money in the account or he'll give to the church. He's just always been generous with his life. He's always lived a no strings attached lifestyle. And um, it's funny because I, I asked him, um, he came here and he preached that weekend after Easter and he, he preached a message called uh, Comeback Season comeback season. What does it look like to come back when you're in a deficit, when you're down? What does that look like in your life? And he shared a part of his story, but um, I wanted to ask him um, something that he didn't really elaborate on, but what I know is, is that he and his wife were trying to conceive their son Isaac for seven years. And I asked him um, throughout that time, and, and this is what I text him this morning, uh, in preparation for this message, I said, uh, why do you live a life of generosity? Yeah. I said, you know, 
more so, why did you persist in generosity during the years that you all were waiting to conceive Isaac? Like, because, you know, a lot of us were, we, we're, God, like, move, like, open the door, like, bring that person into my life. And it's like, it's taken a long time. And so for many of us, we, we stopped trying to be excellent. We stopped trying to live with integrity. We stopped trying to persist. I was just asking, why did you continue to give and pastor and sacrifice your life for people during that season? And um, he's no longer with Elevation, but right now he's traveling the world and he's coaching and pastoring pastors who shepherd large churches. So God has elevated him to a a great place of influence and prominence. And his answer was this, because I knew he was in a hallway somewhere greeting working with the ushers, praying over babies, because he's in St. Louis right now training this church. But I send the message, and it says red immediately after I send it. I'm like, dude, I know you're somewhere at a mega church, like, doing your thing. Like, why are you reading my message? But I know him. I know him. He, he always prioritizes Highlight Church, and he believes in the vision and what God has done here. And so I just see the little gray bubble with the three black dots. I said, okay, he's typing. And so 10 minutes later, he, he hits me back, and he says this here. He says that generosity is a reflection of God's heart. The more I strive to be like him, the more I realize that he leads with generosity. So God leads in giving. You know that famous verse, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world, you can finish it for me, that he he gave. He gave. He leads with generosity. He says this here. He says he gave us life, a world to enjoy, choice, provision after the fall of Adam and Eve, hope that we could return to him, a plan to see it through, and his son, Jesus Christ, sealed the plan. I'm like Pastor Ken. I didn't ask for a seminary course. I get it. You know what I mean? But he's my pastor, man. He said through all that, his promises remain. So Ashley, Ashley, his wife, and I knew if we continue with generosity, even through difficult times, his promise would never fail. Giving even when it's hard to give. He said, we give because it's easier to give with an open hand. If your fist is closed so tightly, you can't give. Even the more, you can't receive. If you live like this, you can't give. Nor if, you know, if I had the illustration up here and I had someone come and pour like a bucket of coins, quarters, nickels, dimes, pennies in my hand, nothing would land in my hand because I'd be living with, an, with a fist. The process, the process. I want to bring a message to you entitled, No Strings Attached. Like, we know that Joseph has gotten this big dream, go to Genesis 37, read about those two big dreams that Joseph receives from God. And then he's sold twice. He ends up in slavery. God elevates him last week in Potiphar's house because he auto-corrects, even though he's in a tough spot, he auto-corrects with excellence, integrity, and perseverance. God raises him up to be over Potiphar's house. And now we just saw in 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 the video that Potiphar's wife has the hots for him, and he runs, and she has his cloak. Potiphar gets furious, throws him in prison. The interesting thing about Joseph's story is that even though it's getting harder, 
he's getting closer to the fulfillment of God's promise in his life. And so I really need you to zone in on that. It may be hard, but it doesn't mean that you're getting further and further and further away. Typically, opposition and hardship is an indication that you're doing something right, that you're moving in the right direction, that you're getting closer to the promises of God, not further away. But, 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 once again, this is the process. So, man, I'm been in excellence, living in integrity. What we're going to see here in Genesis 40 is that God wants to build within him a no-strings-attached mindset. And so what does this mean? No strings attached, if you're taking notes. Um, no strings attached is used to show that an offer or opportunity carries no special conditions. It's when you offer someone something and it doesn't carry any special conditions. And I believe God wants us to grow in this, especially as followers of Jesus. If you're not a believer in Christ, you are excused from living this way. But if you claim to be a follower and a believer of Jesus Christ, we're called to set the standard in generosity. We're called to show the world how good God is. We're called to give without expecting anything in return. So let's go ahead and let's go to Genesis 40, verse 1. It says this. Sometime later, Pharaoh's chief cupbearer and chief baker offended the royal master. Pharaoh became angry with these two officials, and he put them in, in the prison where Joseph was, in the palace of the captain of the guard. Verse 4, they remained in prison for quite some time, and the captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, who looked after them. Everywhere Joseph goes, he's promoted to the top, because he's a person of character. Verse 5, while they were in prison, Pharaoh's cupbearer and baker each had a dream one night, and each dream had its own meaning. When Joseph saw them the next morning, he noticed that they both looked upset. He's their leader. Leaders should have discernment when it comes to their people. We shouldn't just go from task to task. Everyone in this room is a leader. You don't have to be in a position to go to work and simply walk by someone and say, are you doing okay? Do you need help with something? Joseph is a leader, and he understands that he's not a secular boss. But the Bible has told us, Genesis 37, all the way up until this point, that the Lord is with him. And so he's understanding that wherever God puts me, these people are in my care. So you may not be the supervisor, but wherever God puts you, your team is under your care. I, I just, it's just a, that's a nugget. Okay, so here it is, verse 6. When Joseph saw them the next morning, they looked upset. He said this, verse 7, why do you look so worried today? Verse 8, and they replied, we both had dreams last night, and no one can tell us what they mean. Interpreting dreams is God's business. Joseph replied, go ahead and tell me your dreams. Go ahead. So if we're going to live a no-strings-attached lifestyle, I'm going to give you three points today. And as we can see with Pastor Ken, it is the way <laughs> to blessing. Three points is this. We have to, number one, support their dreams. we got to learn to support their dreams. Rashawn Jackson, everybody. Come on, give it up for Rashawn Jackson. If you don't know him, he's okay. Rashawn serves on our refresh team. But he's much more than a barista. 
about a year or so ago, I met Rashawn. Uh, we met up for some coffee at Start Coming to the Church. And uh, we met up over at a Starbucks in the Kentlands. All right, that's too many details. Let me keep going. Um, and so I just, you know, I always tell people, if you really want to get into people's world and kind of, this sounds bad. No, if you want to win them over. Okay. Ask people three questions. <laughs> Where are you from? Um, no. How are you doing? Where are you from? And are you in school? Specifically, not your job. Are you in school? And they're going to either say yes or no. And you can build from there because what you're telling that person is you care. Like, this person really wants to know. Man, I'm in Starbucks sometimes. I'm just talking to the barista. Hey, how you doing? Yeah, I'll have a, a grande caramel frap, blah, blah, blah. Okay, would you like anything else? Hey, um, where are you from? What's your name? Are you in school? It's like no one has asked me that all day, you know. And so I just asked him these questions, and eventually I got around to asking him, what are your passions? I love asking people that. What are your passions? Well, uh, he said, I like to cook. I said, okay. My next question is this. Are you good at it? <laughs> you can like something, but if you ain't good at it. Yeah. He said, yeah, pretty good at it, Pastor. If you know him, that's how he is. Pretty good at it. Can we attest that Rashawn is amazing at cooking? Like, O-M-G. If you don't become a volunteer for any other reason at Highlight Church, Rashawn's cooking is blessed and it's holy and it's from the Lord Jesus Christ. So he said, yeah, I'm good at it. So my next question was this. I said, so why aren't we in school? Why aren't we working towards this thing, building this thing up? And he said, money and my schedule and, and uh, work and all this. I said, it's ridiculous. Very ridiculous. God can do anything. And so I just told him, you know, um, we need to start changing your work schedule. And I mean, literally an hour and 15 minutes of, of just sitting down talking with this gentleman he says, Pastor, I'm going to give me six months. I'm going to change my work schedule. I'm going to start working night so I can go to school. And would you know it that today, Rashawn is cooking for the kingdom of God. He's in culinary school, and he's about to be sent off. We're praying. We're praying to New Orleans in September for his first culinary internship. And God is just, God is just moving in his life. Just just moving and that's what God wants us to do because so many of us were young and even those of us who are older we're so insecure and and we just we want to hold it all and we want to correct people and we want to make sure we're making it to the top God has called us to support their dreams God has called you to support people's dreams Philippians 2 4 says this don't look out only for your own interests but take an interest in others too that's the word of God that's how Jesus was. He'd go up to people, and Jesus would say, what do you need? How can I heal you? For God so loved the world that he gave. Who, who, is, who is them? Like support. Who, who are they, Pastor Josh? Who are you talking about? I'm talking about supporting the dreams of your family members and your neighbors and your coworkers. Like getting beyond small talk and asking them, what's in your heart? What is your passion? What are you good at? How can I support that? How can I 
give unto that? How can I help pay for that? Who can I connect you to? And what's going on with Joseph right now, he's in prison, but God has not taken the dream away. Joseph, if you go to Genesis 37, back to week one, he's telling people his dreams. And now God has processed him to the point where now he's asking people, tell me your dreams. And those are the kinds of people that God wants to elevate. I mean, Joseph is going global. He's going global. I mean, this story only gets better. We're, we, we haven't hit the famine yet and how he manages the famine and how he moves around the resource and how he moves around people. God is training Joseph. The book of Psalms says that it is you, Lord, who trains my hand. You train my hands for war. What God is doing is he's making Joseph submit to a process, making him into the leader that he's called to be. And not just that. He's saying, Joseph, I need you to work this in your heart. I know you're struggling. I know you don't have much, but what you do have can be worth far more than you've ever imagined. Just simply ask someone, how are you? How can I pray for you? I'll study with you. I'll stay up late with you. I'll cry with you. If you ever get into a crisis, let me know. So support their dreams. Support their dreams. It's so vital. Genesis 40 verse 9 says this. So the chief cupbearer told Joseph his dream first. In my dream, he said, I saw a grapevine in front of me. The vine had three branches that began to bud and blossom. Soon it produced clusters of ripe grapes. Verse 11. I was holding Pharaoh's wine cup in my hand, so I took a cluster of grapes and I squeezed the juice into the cup. Then I placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. Verse 12. This is what the dream means, Joseph said. I want to pause right here. There are people that God anoints to interpret dreams. So you have spiritual dreams, right? So let me kind of slow down here. Many of you have had dreams over the past week or month, and they've been very vivid. You found yourself riding in a car, in a classroom, in a bakery, at grandma's house. Um, grandma may have been there, granddad, grandpa, kids, people you know, or lots of people. If they are in color, and if the, audi the audible sound is clear. Those dreams are from God. And God is trying to communicate something to you in this season. So my first encouragement is, number one, wake up, write it down. All right? Because God has anointed people with the ability to interpret your dreams. Number two, I'm not saying flood this church, but maybe you have a church or spiritual leadership that you can trust. If you have questions about what your dream was or what this meant, type it out, send it here to Highlight. The team at highlight.church, we want to help you walk through some of that stuff. As a matter of fact, uh, me and Pastor Kyra, we were just on the phone this past weekend for about an hour and 45 minutes. Thank God we had nothing on the schedule, but it was with a superhero who had a dream. And so he typed it out, he sent it to her. We prayed over it, we looked at it, we looked at all the symbolism, and we were on the phone for a total hour and 40 minutes. And at the end of it, this individual said, everything that you guys said made sense. God is trying to communicate something to you. I can tell you right now that cars mean calling. So a car may be stopped. See, I, feel, I, feel the, I feel the faith in here now because I'm really teaching. A car may be stopped. That means that you're not operating in your calling, or it's not moving forward. Or you could be driving in a car down the highway, 
That means that you're, you're in your pocket and you need to keep going. And there's a ministry on your life. There's a difference that you're called to make. There are people you're called to reach. I've been in dreams where, where God has put people in my dreams that I look up to. And like we're cruising down the highway and they're in the back seat laughing with me. And, and we, we had that about a couple months ago and you interpreted the fact that that means that you're going in the right direction, babe. You don't even know those people. You look up to those people, but they're in the back seat laughing. God is saying, keep going because there are many people to reach. There is a cause. There is a calling. There is a destiny. There is a purpose on your life. So don't take those dreams lightly. God wants to clarify what he's saying to you. Verse 12, this is what the dream means. The three branches represent three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift you up and restore you to your position. Verse 14, here it is. Please remember me and do me a favor when things go well for you. Mention me to Pharaoh so he might let me out of this place. For I was kidnapped from, kidnapped from my homeland, the land of the Hebrews, and now I'm here in prison, but I did nothing to deserve it. If you're going li to live a life with no strings attached, you got to give without expecting a return. God is still teaching him. You just, you just blessed the man with the interpretation, but, but, but as soon as you gave what he needed, you, you want to put him on notice for a return. And so God is still working. Here at Highlight Church, we have something called, uh, our outreach platform is called Highlight the City. 10% uh, of every offering or every dollar that you bring into this church, 10% of it goes out to people who need to know the love of God, who need hope. 10% goes out. So we call it finances and foot soldiers. So on a monthly basis, we're cutting a check as a church. Thank you for your offering. But we also send volunteers out into our local community. Our main outreach partner is Family Services, uh, Montgomery County's largest outreach organization. Just kind of catch you up to speed. This is some exciting stuff. Um, some things that we've been doing throughout the summer. June 8th, uh, FSI has what's called the Early Head Start Program, and we hosted a Father Involvement Fun Day. We provided the food and the games needed to create an environment for dads to connect with their children who wouldn't otherwise be connecting with their children. On July 11th, this was so awesome, our team conducted mock interviews for um, FSI's clients who struggle with mental illness. These are people who, who will come into an interview, and Megan, you, you told us that it was one person who came into that interview, and one of the questions was asked, hey, what are you expecting to be paid? I mean, they're struggling, you know. One person answered, uh, you can just pay me $20 a week. I'll be good. You know, so it's, it's us zoning in on stuff like that, responses and, and training them and helping them so that they can have a better quality of life. This is what your church is doing. My encouragement to you is, is that you may be serving, you may be a guest, you may be visiting, you may be giving, you may be inviting. We call it the three eyes: investing, inviting, involved. But I want to begin to encourage the church to be the church. To, 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 let's be the hands and feet of Jesus. There, there are hundreds and thousands of people outside of these walls who needs what's on the inside of you. So it's just such a privilege to be able to just sit down with someone and say, well, 
hey, I want to encourage you to say this when they ask that question. 20 bucks isn't enough. But you have that privilege to, to help them along the way. On August 1st, this has not happened, but FSI has what's called the Keys to Success program. These are middle school and high school mothers who uh, have ran into a tough time. A few of our ladies on August 1st, they're going to go and set up makeup stations and hair stations. We may even do their nails. And what we're going to do is get them all pretty and beautiful. And we're going to send our creative team to take professional photos of them just so that their heads could be lifted up. Their, their self-esteem could be lifted. And while we do that, we want to share the hope of God and the good news of Jesus with them um, so that they know that God still thinks about them. Come on now. Come on. This is beautiful. This is beautiful. This is what your church is doing. You know, like people ask me, like, Pastor, like, when we go do outreach in Baltimore? I don't know. I'm in Gaithersburg. There are people around the corner that can't eat. We, we need to be focused on where we are. And so that, that's already filled up, though, because some of you ladies are probably like, man, I want to be involved in that. We'll do that again, but we have enough volunteers for that right now. We've also been doing what is called the BAK Center, Betty Ann Cranky Center. Um, this is where women, they go to find shelter and uh, a little relief. They're running away, women and children, from domestic abuse in their homes. And they have 16 rooms We've managed to paint and furnish eight of those rooms as a church over the past nine months. And so not only does our money go there, but we're in there sweating and, and just doing the work that God has sent us to do so that these women would, would once again find hope. This, this, this place, before we got into it, it was like a juvenile detention center. It was cold and harsh and, and dark. But we came in there and we've brightened it up and, and these women are finding hope as they seek refuge. We can clap that up. We can celebrate that. That's big, big, big. Because when you need a hand to lift you up, you just wish that somebody is there. You just wish that someone would, you know, when you're down and when you're depressed and when you're anxious and when you're worried, you don't have strength to clean your house. You don't have strength to wash your dishes. You just wish that someone would come over and help you fold your clothes and, and, and help you clean up and just help you put on something. And let's go out and get some coffee. That's the opportunity that we have when we're the hands and feet of Jesus. And this is what God is trying to build on the inside of Joseph. I know it's hard, Joseph. I know she lied on you. I know you're in prison, but I'm still calling you to be like my son because many people need you. And so also as a church, uh, we, we've given $13,000 in 2017 as a church. 2018, we gave $26,000. Uh, this year alone, we still have half of a year to go. We've given already $28,000 to our outreach partners. <laughs> Praise Jesus. Praise the Lord. We have a value here called high giving. And it states that we give an access of what has been given to us. We give an access, God. So we put it in the system, 10% of every dollar, Lord. Our, our tithe as a church goes to the people that you care about. The Bible says in Proverbs that when you give to the poor, it's like giving God a loan. So if you want God to owe you, and this is what he's trying to build in Joseph, if you want God to owe you a favor, Keep giving to people who can't return anything back to you. You don't want the cupbearer's favor. 
You want the favor of God. You want the favor of God. Proverbs 11 says this, give freely and become more wealthy. I love these equations in scripture. Be stingy and lose everything. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. It's a a biblical principle. It's old, ancient Jewish wisdom. It's what God honors. I think of it this way. If there are 250 people in this room, and personally, I'm focused on me, my world is very small. But if I would take the focus off me and focus on the people, my world becomes bigger, my opportunities become bigger, my favor with man becomes bigger, my influence becomes greater. And so God is, is building this in Joseph, and he's building it in us. Because if God has showed us something great, he wants to be able to entrust us with much. So Joseph gave, and he expected something in return. God wants to build selflessness in us so that generosity would flow through us. This is why I love serving in the local church. Because you literally, you have to budget your Saturday. Dang, I got I to serve in the morning. But God, I want to go out. I want to stay up late. God's like, I'm calling you to be generous to me. So can you budget your time so that I can get you to serve, so I can build something on the inside of you because I know how big your prayers are. So I need you to get out of the seat and I need you to start being more and more selfless because of where I'm taking you. I don't know about you, but I want my world to get bigger and bigger, and I want to refresh people. Genesis 40, verse 16 says this. When the chief chief baker uh, saw that Joseph had given the first dream such a positive interpretation. (laughs) Hey, hey, uh, can you tell me my dream too? Joseph's like, ah, bro. This is a part of preaching where preachers are like reading, and it's like, God, do we got to talk about that this Sunday? <laughs> oh, God's like, yes, yeah, talk about it. So here's the prophet. He says this. In my dream, there were three baskets of white pastries stacked on my head. Verse 17, the top basket contained all kinds of pastries for Pharaoh. But the birds came and ate them from the basket on my head. This is what your dream means. The three baskets also represent three days. Three days from now, Pharaoh will lift you up and impale your body on a pole. (laughs) Just make it. (laughs) That's the way I read it. You know, the Bible's not born to me. So let's just pause for the cause. A lot of people say, I don't read the Bible. It makes me fall asleep. And I'm like, you're born. The Bible's not born. You're born. It's like, bro, are you reading this? Two dreams beat up thrown into a pit, sold. Someone has the hots for him. He runs. She takes his coat. He's in prison. The Bible is full of drama for your mama. And it is so relevant to my life. So relevant. So I need to get in this thing. Like, Lord, I'm reading tonight because it's for my life. The Bible's so boring. Okay, well, all right. Here we go. Then the birds will come and peck away at your flesh. Jesus. 
Verse 20. Pharaoh's birthday came three days later. The Bible also says if, if someone interprets your dream and it, and it bears witness to your life, or if part of your dream is futuristic and they interpret it and it comes to pass, Moses says that there was a prophet in your presence. So, so like, if there's anything that I say today and you apply or, or it comes to pass or it bears witness with your life, maybe, just maybe, just maybe this is not a Bible study, just maybe this is not another church service, but maybe God is speaking through me to you. And so just, just understand that if you do send those things in our way and we interpret it and we nail it, it's because God is, is working and it's because he loves you. So Pharaoh's birthday did come three days later. He prepared a banquet for all of his officials and staff. He summoned, here it is, the cupbearer and the baker to join the, the other officials. Verse 21, he then restored the chief cupbearer to his former position so he could again hand Pharaoh his cup. But Pharaoh impaled the chief baker, just as Joseph had predicted when he interpreted his dream. Zone in on this. Don't forget me when you get restored. All right? I interpreted your dream. Don't forget me. Jo uh, Pharaoh's chief cupbearer, however, forgot all about Joseph, never giving him another thought. A series of And so if you're going to live a no-strings-attached lifestyle, that's what God wants to build on the inside of us, generous people. you got to entrust your life to God, not man. I remember all of 2014, um, the original core team that I had in mind to Move with us to, to Maryland to start Highlight Church a little bit over, a little bit under three years ago. They had been saying yes all year, 2014. All right, guys, like, I got this vision. We're going to go do this. Yeah, yeah, let, let me know. Let us know. Yeah, we're there. We're going to move. We're there. We're there. Yeah, 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 yeah. God transitioned us out of our old church in top of 2015, and we send out that question. All right, guys, we're going to start preparing 2015 because we're moving next year to start Highlight. Y'all down? And out of the seven that I asked, six said no. One recanted, praise the Lord, and she came on back. Give it up for Megan Condro Giannis. And now she's living her best life. Glory to God. Um, so, um, but I, I just got to tell you, man, like, that, that feeling of, like, betrayal. You, you said you would be there for me. That hurt, that pain, that, that let down. You know, we've all been let down by someone. We're currently right now carrying some form of bitterness or anger, be it towards God or towards our parents or towards a sibling or a friend, that let down. And so the, you got to imagine that these are long days for Joseph. Like, wow, he, five days have passed. The cupbearer hasn't returned. I, well, praise God. I was able to help him. <laughs> I'll be out of here soon. Yeah. And 
day after day after day, week after week, no relief. And then Joseph's overseer would come to his, his prison and say, his whatever it's called, and say, hey, uh, come on out, Joseph. Come on, come on. Say, yes, I'm getting out. I'm getting out. No, you're not getting out. We're just transferring you. Just people breaking our hearts, breaking our hearts. We breaking people hearts, breaking people hearts. And so I want to show you this parallel between Jesus, as we did last week, and Joseph. Jesus is a master at how to, how to trust people. And it says this here, John 2, verse 23. Now, while in Jerusalem, this is Jesus, at the Passover festival, many people saw the signs that he was performing and believed in his name. Watch this. So they believed in him, but it says Jesus would not entrust his self to them. For he knew all people. He did not need any testimony about mankind, for he knew what was in each person. So Jesus would, Pastor Ken, why do you guys pour out and give and pray and serve people so well? Jesus, why did you hang on that cross? Jesus, why did you give and forgive and heal so much, so much? Because Jesus is a, is a savior who lives with no strings attached, but he also understood people. And this is what I can deduce. I want to deduce two things from this text for you. Number one, if you're writing notes, trust people. The word there means to place your confidence. Trust people. Don't go about life saying, that person hurt me, so these other 250 are going to hurt me. God, God can never trust you with influence or promotion that way. Even after they hurt you, you still have to offer people trust. But, trust people, but always leave a little space for people to change. That's everybody. The Bible says, guard your heart above all, for out of it flows the issues of life. Meaning, what comes into your heart dictates the way that you live. So, what, what I do is I look at all of you, and, and personally, I, as a pastor, I love everyone dearly. I love everyone the same, but I leave a little space for a little pain. That's what you call grace. I leave a little space for a little hurt so that when it happens, I'm not surprised. But I'm also not left bitter. Come on, 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 come on. And so the Lord is teaching Joseph, well, if you're going to be a leader, if that vision and that dream is going to come to pass, you better get used to people breaking your heart. Because all people are broken. Joseph, you've broken people's hearts. I'm guilty. We're all guilty. And number two. That's number one. Trust people but leave space. Number two is this. Entrust your life to the one who loves you, to the one who died for you, to the one who will never fail you, and to the one who has a great plan for your life. And that is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.
Trust your life to him. Trust your life to him. I'm not going to go in any more than that. Let's give the word of God a hand clap of praise. With every head bowed, let's go ahead and pray. Father, we love you and we thank you for who you are. We thank you, God, that you are calling us to live with no strings attached, Jesus. And so, God, we just, we bless you, God. We ask that you would give us the strength and the boldness and the capacity to live lives of generosity. Lord, I know that there are leaders in this room. There are mothers and fathers and spouses and business owners, God, like students, God. They're, they're precious in your sight, and you love each and every one of them. And I know you have a plan for each one of them with every head bowed. In God's love, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to live a sinless life. His blood was shed on a cross for our sins. He died. He was buried. And on the third day, he rose so that you and I would have right standing with God. It's the greatest act of love that anyone could ever perform. And Jesus, we're grateful for salvation. We're grateful for a new start. And maybe today you're coming to the Lord Jesus. You're saying, Lord, I need you to take over my life. I need you to fix it. I need you to heal it. I need you in my heart. And today, maybe today, you're coming to the Lord. So I want you to pray this prayer. If you're coming to the Lord Jesus today, or if you know him, but you haven't been walking with him, and you're coming back to him, let's go ahead and pray this prayer. Repeat after me. Say, Father God, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Forgive me for my sin. I need you in my life. Give me your spirit. Make me yours. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if that was your first time praying that prayer, or if you're coming back to Christ, won't you just raise your hand? We want to celebrate you. Hallelujah. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. You can put those hands down. Let's celebrate our two sisters, y'all. We have a gift for you. Thank you. Thank you. Praise the Lord. Woo. Hey, Annie, we have one more. God bless you. The greatest decision you've ever made in your life. You just made it. The Lord loves you. He has a great plan for you. I encourage you to go to the blue tent after, after the worship experience. We want to pray for you. We want to support what God has put on the inside of you. We love you. Jesus loves you. Come on, church. Let's celebrate salvation, life change. Hallelujah. Have a great weekend.